Well, hello, hello, and welcome. How is everybody doing? Welcome into yet another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. I'm Jake Adnip here with Sean Dwyer. Say hello from down in Indiana, my friend. How you doing? So we're back for our week three recap of the NFL season. Had a couple different happenings, but we're going to kind of stick to two different themes in this episode. But, uh, you know, plenty of uh, surprises this NFL season, Sean. Just to get started off with, this is what we're going to get into is we have a couple three and 3-0 teams and a few teams that got their first win in week three. And we're going to talk about uh, all of those guys. But, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this last week, but now we're into week three. What, what team is your biggest surprise now? Well, to me, the biggest surprise is the Miami Dolphins that are sitting at 3-0. and They're a team that a lot of people, you know, didn't really know what they were going to be coming into this season. You know, Ryan Tannehill coming off of the injury. Not a lot of people knew what they were going to be getting there with Miami, and they're looking good on offense. You know, they've had lots of explosive plays the last couple of weeks. Uh, they, they got two running backs going now with Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore, the ageless wonder, and they look really good right now. Yeah, and I mean, you even have to bring it up. I believe Ryan Tannehill's won 12 or, 12 or 13 straight starts. And, I mean, even with uh, his ACL injury, obviously that had a big gap in the middle of it. But I think everybody kind of forgot about Ryan Tannehill. And he quietly just worked his way back to health. And Miami took their time while he was out and just kind of paid Jay Cutler and said, hey. But that is, that is you know, the first team that we are going to talk about that went 3-0. and They beat Oakland 28-20. to And, you know, you talked about Oakland last week, Sean. They have, they have not looked good whatsoever, but it really has been, you know, what the Dolphins' defense has been able to do. They had multiple turnovers once again in this game. Yeah, I know. The Raiders, you know, they're not looking very good. You know, Derek Carr, is, he's struggled, man. It's been rough for Oakland with Derek Carr so far. He's coming in right now with, you know, five interceptions to two touchdowns on the season. You know, he's putting up good yardage, you know, over 280 yards in every game. But but with the weapons he has, I hope he can put up that much. Yeah, the, the yards should be the easy part for him. Throwing to Jordy Nelson, Amari Cooper, you know, working Jalen Richard on some screen passes, maybe Marshawn Lynch. You know, Doug Martin's also been a bit of a role player there too. But, you know, Jared Cook exploded onto the scene for them that first Monday night game. But Derek Carr, you know, he's got to play better his – two to five inter- touchdown to interception ratio. That's not going to get it done in the NFL. Yeah, but if we are talking about Miami, it is that defense that I think is winning them games. It's not – obviously, their, their team's scoring enough points, but uh, their defense has done really, really well this season. So I, that's that's why I think they're 3-0, and but they are one of the bigger surprises too. Um, the other team that I guess isn't a surprise at this point, but the Kansas City Chiefs, they beat the 49ers 38-27. Patrick Mahomes is just on fire, man. On fire. What yeah, you... coming coming into the season, you know, they Kansas City, everybody knew Kansas City had a lot of weapons, and they knew that if Patrick Mahomes played at least, you know, Alex Smith level of game manager, they were going to be in a pretty good spot. But Patrick Mahomes has come in, and he's blown the doors off of expectations for his ceiling as far as this season. And I think Kansas City, you know, they're getting, they're getting through their defense having pretty much a down start to the year with Patrick Mahomes going out there slinging the ball everywhere. Well, and this is a this is a hot take alert right here, but as of right now, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. As 
who's here today. Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, hot, best quarterback not... in the NFL. Touchdown to interception ratio. Points put up on the board. Uh, 3-0. and Has three wins for his team. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. And, I, I mean, we might not be able to say that five weeks from now. But, uh, you know, I, it looks like he's already on pace to have a better season than Deshaun Watson did last year in whatever the nine or ten games that he played in. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's been amazing. Now, the other team that went 3-0 and this week, this is probably the one that a lot of people have circled on their Super Bowl calendars after the high-powered offense they had last year. But the L.A. Rams took the battle of L.A. over the Chargers uh, 35-23. I mean, no surprise there. That, that Rams offense is good for 35 points a game, and there's really no doubt about it. And to me, the biggest surprise is they haven't really – leaned too much on Todd Gurley in terms of him providing them all their yards. I mean, he's gotten his yards in every game. But looking at it, there's been Jared Goff has quietly put up, you know, 350 yards in the last two weeks, four, uh, four touchdowns to two interceptions, you know, the, not taking care of the ball quite as much as he would like. But Jared Goff, I think, is a guy that in two years we might be putting him up there in the – top six, top seven quarterbacks in the NFL conversation. Well, I think, I think that the Rams are set up for a long-term success. Yeah, quarterback. and that's what I was going to say is I think they I think they may – like, I still – I wasn't a full-on believer of Goff when he came out in the draft. He uh, – you know, it's it's one of those things that we talked about Mitchell Trubisky last week. I think if you let him settle in, and the thing about the L.A. Rams is they did a good enough job of having Todd Gurley and other weapons around him building a defense that he they didn't have to put all the pressure on – you know, a young quarterback to make sure that he was the one on the field winning games all the time. So I think they've done a really good job, especially, uh, you know, moving into the upper echelon of the NFL. It seems like just this year, everything's kind of going wonky. The good teams are losing, you know, the, the teams that we haven't been so used to being successful are starting out hot, but it's that September football, you know. Exactly. You never know what's going to happen. But there was the only those three three and O teams from the NFL, and now going in, and you know there's actually a pretty good statistical probability that when you go three and uh, you're going to make the playoffs. So that would be interesting to see the Dolphins and the and the Chiefs both in the playoffs. It would be. I mean, the Chiefs not so much to me because I think that, like I said, they've made the playoffs in the well, past. Uh, the reason why but... I, the reason why I think it's interesting is because of the offense that they have. Is I think they could make a run. Is the difference. If they yeah, shore think, that defense up and make it to the playoffs, I think they might be able to make a run. I think the, the Rams and the Chiefs, if people had to put their money on something right now, I think they would have a big matchup in the playoffs. Exactly. Meeting, that, meeting each other. Yeah, no, that would be a big game. But there were five teams that got their first win, and we're not going to start off with the Detroit Lions. We'll move into them after a minute. But Seattle beat Dallas for their first win. Kind of surprised they won 24-13. I mean, me, I'm kind of surprised that was their first win. They had to grind it out. Dallas just was garbage, though. The offense looked terrible. Deck Prescott was on the ground the whole time. You know, Seattle's defense, it's not, I'm not saying it looked like it used to, but they were all over the place. They were flying around, and that first home game, I think, really gave them a boost. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I'll be honest, I had – Seattle opening the year 3-0, and not 1-2. and In my mind, I looked at it, you know, Denver with Case Keenum getting started his first game there. I thought Seattle experience-wise would be able to take them. Uh, the game at Chicago shocked me. The Seahawks were dominated in that game against Chicago, and that one really 
open my eyes. And, you know, Seahawks aren't what they used to be. Um, Dallas, yeah, I don't know. Dallas is something else. That's a whole other topic for another show because Cowboys do not look anything like what they did two years ago right now. And, and it's basically the same team. I, mean, you, I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, that's Brian, Jason Witten. Um, basically the same team. I mean, both of them were pretty old at that point. They weren't putting up the best numbers. And they've, I don't know what it is. They, they've just kind of fallen apart. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, two years ago they had the best offensive line one could assemble in football. And this year they're missing a couple part, at least a couple pieces of that as of right now. And I think they're struggling with that because, you know, they protected Dak miraculously that year and opened up holes for Zeke. And without that full complement of offensive linemen, it might not ever be the same for Dallas. I I know. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know how long of a, you know, how long of a time they deal with that down in Dallas, but a couple more years and they won't be so savory about it. Nope. Now, another another game that somebody had to come out with their first victory of the year, uh, the New York Giants beat Houston, and that was 27-22. We'll get to the Giants in just a second, but I just wanted to say, me and you, Sean, we had some pretty high hopes for the Houston Texans, you know, at least their offense, and it's just stuttered, and their defense just hasn't, it's just not as good as we thought it was going to be. What do you think? I think the defense hasn't, like you said, the defense hasn't been as good as we thought, yeah, and I think that for this team in Houston, I think it is all, I don't think at this point they're going to make the playoffs. You know, the record of teams that go 0-3 and and make the playoffs, it's a very short list. Yeah, it's under under 10%. But I think they can build on it for the future because you look at that defense, they're trying to get younger on defense. Well, you have a quarterback coming off ACL surgery. So I think right now Houston is going to live with this kind of mini regression for them because they're building towards the future. You know, Deshaun Watson – uh, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, they're all young. It's a wow. young core on offense. I think Houston is just looking towards the future. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree, but if you want to move over to the Giants side, I know they're glad to get that first W uh, under their belt. Saquon has been solid for them all season. He looks like he, he was a good pick for them at number two overall in the first three games. But, you know, Eli Manning is just not the quarterback he once was. I've, I've begun to realize that they just lost Evan Ingram for a while. So we lost another weapon. It's basically Saquon, Odell, and Sterling Shepard. So the, the tech is really not too di- diversified through there because, you know, Eli's not running anywhere. So I know they were happy to squeeze one out, but I think this is more on Houston than the Giants being, you know, more net or more like better. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for lack of a better, you know, the Giants are not a good football team. I don't care what anybody says to me. I think Odell signing that contract extension with the Giants was probably one of the worst things he could have done with his career because unless – because the thing with the Giants is I don't think they are bad enough to be in a position to take the top quarterback available. I think there are other teams that are worse than them, but they're not good. So I think they're in a weird position now where you've locked yourself into having – elite skill position players with that are going to be coming into their prime as you're trying to break in a new rookie quarterback. And I think the Giants will fix the defense that they have before they get to the offense. And I think that's just the wrong way for them to go. All right. So our next game is we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the Buffalo 
over Minnesota game, twenty-seven to six. I don't. I, I literally don't think anybody saw this coming after the way Buffalo performed the first two weeks. Buffalo's without Lashawn McCoy, but Josh Allen nearly, nearly throws for two hundred yards. He has a hurdle that everybody talks about, but then everybody says, "Oh man, you got to be careful," which is true because that looked like it was a big bad nut shot waiting to happen. Uh, for <laughs> for lack of a be- for lack of a better term, there, but uh, I mean. The Kirk Cousins had so many turnovers. I don't know if Buffalo just came to play possessed. You know, I didn't get a chance to watch that game. But, man, wh- wh- how? I honestly have nothing for you. You know, Kirk Cousins hit 300 yards, a touchdown. He had an interception and two fumbles, gave the ball away a lot. Uh, they were without Delvin Cook. They didn't have their top running back. Um, the defense just looked – I don't know. I, I, have, I don't have anything on this game. I can't give you an explanation – for how Buffalo did this. You know, Chris <laughs> Ivory had a big day. When was the last time he said Chris Ivory had a big day with 56 yards rushing? Yeah. I don't know. I, can't, I got nothing. And that, I, that's what I think. I think that the Bills just kind of came – I think the Bills were just kind of pissed off. You know, after the, their cornerback – I'm not even going to say his name because disrespect towards everybody else. Their cornerback retiring in the middle of the game, them getting completely destroyed. Nathan Peterman throwing whatever, like four picks in the first half of the first game of the season. I think they were just pissed off, and they came out, and Minnesota probably wasn't on their highest horse after getting a tie in overtime, you know, on some back-and-forth type of calls. But, uh, I, I mean, I, just the last thing I expected is the only way I can put it. Yeah, I got no clue. I got nothing for you on this one. So we, Yeah, our, our next game is, of course, the one that me and Sean probably watched the most of because I know I watched all of it, but – the Detroit Lions over the New England Patriots at home on Sunday night football, 26 to 10. And I, th- this is what I have to say about them. And this was a complete coach job. They actually ran the ball when they were supposed to. And within the first five plays of the game, I think we ran it three or four times. And we gained about 15 yards. I could tell right then and there that the running game was going to work. And I think they saw it as well. And I think if you look at the time of possession, on that game, Tom Brady was only on the field for like 14 minutes of that entire game, not even a whole quarter. They, they dominated the time possession, and that's how you beat the Patriots is you keep Tom Brady and that high-powered offense off the field. Double-team Gronk, so he doesn't have his outlet. They only have three receivers playing on their roster right now. Made it pretty easy for the Lions. It doesn't convince me completely that, you know, the, the Patriots aren't really too good, but Tom Brady was completely deflated. I mean, what did you see? Did, did you see what I saw with Tom Brady? I saw a guy who pretty much at the end of that fourth quarter, you know, he came off the field twice in that fourth quarter and just chucked his helmet at the equipment manager as if to say, I don't know what to do. So I think Tom Brady about halfway through that fourth quarter, maybe even into the third quarter. I think, I, I, I think it was earlier because he just he was getting – I think he was getting very frustrated because he literally couldn't do anything for his team. His defense couldn't get the the Lions' offense off the field. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just – I don't want to overreact and say the Lions are good a good team because this Patriots team might be the worst Patriots team in recent history. And now I'm not saying they're bad because a bad Patriots team, they'll still go 10-6 and six and make a playoff run. <laughs> That's a bad Patriots team. I don't think this is a normal Patriots team. So I think the Lions, you know, they got to even, – even if it's a bad Patriots team, this is a, the right way for the Lions. Or it's, it's a stepping stone that they had to take 
and turn the ship around. Because those first two games were garbage. Oh yeah, I mean we we ripped into them on our last roundup. They they were just they looked terrible, and that's the one thing is you know our defense they were forcing three and outs right off the top, no first downs in that. I think that I think they only had two or three first downs in the whole first half. The Patriots, yeah. and it, that is that that right there, and that the way the way I look at it is I actually think Patricia did a good job of coaching that defense to know what they needed to do against Tom Brady and. He was able to game plan, tell Cooter and Stafford that offense to make sure that ball stayed on the ground because we didn't even mention it yet. Carry on Johnson broke the broke the ugly streak seventy games without a hundred yard rusher. Yeah, it happened. I saw that coming. It was, it was funny. I, at first, I was like, I was like, like Garrett Blunt or Carry on getting this because they're both they're both trucking it up. They were getting five six yards of carry, which never happens with the Lions. The offensive line was getting a good push. So I was, yeah, very proud of Carrion. I did not expect him to be the one to break it. But, uh, I mean, anything to say about the running game for the Lions? Well, when Carrion Johnson, you know, 16 carries for 101 yards, that works out to 6.3 yards of carry, which that must be an all-time high for a Lion running back. And what was his long years. carry? What was his longest carry? Ah, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say it was like sixteen or seventeen. It, 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 I was just saying on my mind. Yeah, it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a significant chunk of the yardage, you know. Where like when Matt Breida, this when San Francisco ran all over Detroit, he had whatever one hundred fifty yards, but sixty six of it was off one run, you know. Or like Saquon Barkley in Week One with his hundred yards, but sixty eight came on one play. Exactly, exactly. So that that's how you know it was at least consistent, and they they fed the ball around. They had some mixed up looks with Garrett Blunt in there on passing down, so it wasn't so predictable, which was nice. You know, that's what that's what we we were sitting here and talking about how predictable the play calling was. I'm not saying it wasn't any more predictable, but I think Matt Stafford also did execute a little bit better. And at the end of the day, also, it doesn't matter if their team knows what you're doing. If you execute and run it, you're the offense. You know exactly where you're going. They're the defense. They're reacting to where you're going you should have an advantage just in terms of athleticism. So it, it doesn't really bother me when people say they know what play is coming. Cause if you run it the way it's supposed to be run and you execute, it shouldn't matter. Well, either way, we've probably did our talk on the lines. I know we'll be bringing up a few of the players when we talk some fantasy football, but the last game that we want to get to is obviously the big streak breaker Cleveland getting their first win over the jets. I squeaked it out, had to pull in Baker Mayfield after Tyrod Taylor got a concussion. I mean, is it Baker time the rest of the season now, Sean? I don't see how it's not. I mean, the dude comes in off the bench after a guy goes down. He comes in cold, down 14 nothing, and then leads the Browns to a 14-point comeback while throwing 17 for 23, 201 yards. Not, and not, not crazy high stats. That's a good completion percentage for a rookie making his first start off the bench cold down 14. In the second half. In the second half. That's all second half numbers too. But I, and I do want to mention just how bad Tyrod Taylor played in that game before he sustained that injury. Read off his stat line really quick. Uh, let's see. Let me find Tyrod. I Last it- week – 
Last week, he threw for 19 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, no nada. What was it? No, he was like three, two for 11 or like three for 11 or something like that? Uh, I don't have that in front of me. Just if you can give me one second. Well, either way. Right. What was it? Yeah, I mean, I think Baker Mayfield, he came off the bench. He didn't do a lot with his legs, which I really liked seeing. He didn't try and, like, run around and make some of his Oklahoma plays where he's all over the place. He stayed in the pocket. He stayed calm. And he threw very good crisp passes. And he looked very well. He looked the best out of any rookie quarterback in their first game this year to me, including Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. All righty. Well, as always, I want to thank all of our lovely listeners, all, all of you who come back week by week and check out what we have to say. Uh, this will do it for yet another episode. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jake Adnip. Follow Sean at Dwyer SE3. And follow our Twitter page at Just Saying Sport. Remember, there's no S on the end. Uh, we'll make sure we get some polls up this week, maybe even some fantasy polls if there's anything that we have burning in our minds. But without further ado, I'm Jake Adnip. I'm Sean Dwyer. Have a great evening, and we'll see you later in the week.